Praise the Lord for another Thursday night. Yeah. Are, are you glad to be gathered together into the Lord's name? Yeah. You know, we don't just do this out of good habit. You know, Jesus Christ gathers us together into his name so that we can enjoy him, see him, love him, gain him, pursue him. Aren't you glad that God decided, I want to gather him and her, or her together tonight? Aren't you glad? I'm glad. Okay. I'm glad you're here too. Okay. Who, uh, does everybody have one of these? If you got them, wave it around like this. You don't have to, but thanks for doing it. I can tell you're excited. Um, so what we've been in, what, what book of the Bible have we been in? Genesis. Genesis. And have, have you loved the book of Genesis? I've loved the book of Genesis. Um, I've loved uh, tracing Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This, this semester we've been in Jacob a lot. Looking at Jacob's life. Um, last week or couple, uh, for the past couple weeks we've been looking at Joseph. Haven't you enjoyed looking at Joseph? Tonight uh, we're zooming in on Jacob again in chapter 47 and 48. And uh, the thing I love about Brother Jacob, I was thinking about Brother Jacob this week. He probably has the most exciting, adventurous life that's ever been lived on the earth. I mean, except for maybe Jesus, you know what I mean? <laughs> Jacob has an incredible story. Uh, one filled with sibling, sibling rivalry, right? Uh, from the womb, he was wrestling with his brother to see who could get out first. Actually, his brother, his brother came out first, and Jacob's holding on to his heel trying to jerk him back in, you know? From the womb, Jacob's had an exciting life. Actually, God told his mother, there are two nations wrestling in your womb. Pretty epic. Pretty epic beginning, right? And then what happened next? Betrayal. You know, Jacob, you know what Jacob means? Jacob means supplanter or, or if you don't know what that word means, because I, I didn't really. If you don't know what that word means, think schemer. Jacob, his name means schemer. Now imagine if you met somebody on the street and he said, hey, my name's Schemer. You'd probably reach for your wallet, right? Make sure it's still there. Okay, so the Schemer, Jacob, the next thing he does in his story is betrayal. He stole the family inheritance from Isaac. No, not from Isaac, from Esau. He steals the family inheritance. Pretty incredible. What happens next? He gets the boot. Esau wants to murder him. How about that? How about that for exciting? Your older brother wants to murder you. So mom and Jacob, they're conspiring, and they make a great escape. Jacob is now the runaway. He runs away from family and home. And while he's running away, Almighty God appears to him, okay, in the middle of the desert. Think about that. You're laying down. You don't even have a sleeping bag. You're laying down. you got a rock for your pillow. And while you're dreaming as you're running away from home from your murdering older brother, Almighty God appears to you. Think about that. I'm still just at the first part of his life, you know what I mean? Yeah. What happens next is, oh, it's a love story. Everybody likes a love story. He finally meets Rachel, the love of his life. 
he sees her, the first thing he does is kiss her and weep. You talk about being in love. <laughs> Think about that. You, you lay eyes on her, you run up, you kiss her and start weeping. That, talk about love story. And then so he has a talk with uh, dad there, which is actually his uncle. And uncle says, hey, no problem, I'll give her to you. Just serve me for seven years. Pretty steep price. Jacob says, no problem. I'll serve you like a slave for seven years if I can have Rachel. It's pretty exciting life, right? Yeah. Pretty exciting. Not to mention that on the wedding night, the old switcheroo, he gave her the wrong daughter. <laughs> Uncle Laban gave him the wrong daughter. I mean, this sounds like the most exciting movie you've ever seen, right? You'd probably never believe it if you watched it. Next comes 20 years of office politics with dad, all business takeover, all kind of great stuff there. Yep. Jacob makes another great escape with his four wives and 12 kids. We can skip all that drama. Okay. At the end of Jacob's life, we have a very different Jacob. All leading up to Genesis 47 and 48, we have a scheming, supplanting, maneuvering Jacob. Full of activity. He's got like the most adventurous, incredible life ever. In Genesis 47 and 48, we see a very different Jacob. Not a scheming, supplanting, maneuvering Jacob, but a transformed, mature, blessing Jacob. We see a Jacob who lives a simple, quiet life under the sovereign arrangement of God. And all he does is bless. His supplanting, scheming hands, of which he's been known for all his life, and even he's named after, become blessing hands. Okay, let's read Roman number one together. Ready, go. Okay, when you think of Jacob in chapter 47 and 48, I want you to think of three words. What are those words? Transformed, mature, blessing. Okay, if you've got a pen, you should write this down. This is what transformed means. Transformed means to be metabolically changed in our natural life. Metabolically changed in our natural life. You know what happens when you receive God's life? It changes you. When you receive God's life, when God's life got inside Jared Van Auken, he started getting changed. God's life comes in, guess what happens? Transformation starts happening. When you think of transformation, just think about transformation. Just There's some changing going on. Okay, next. Mature. To be mature is to be filled yes. with the divine life that changes you. Yeah. Maturity is to be what? Filled. filled. Good. <laughs> Everybody's got your back here. Maturity is to be filled with the divine life that changes you. Now, blessing. What is blessing? That, I mean, kind of hard, kind of hard, hard to say. What is blessing? Okay, let me give you a definition of blessing you've never heard before. Blessing 
is the overflow of God's life within that has filled you. Blessing is the overflow of that life to others. When God's life comes in, you know what starts happening? You start changing. You start being transformed. And when that life fills you up, you are mature. And when that life overflows out of you to others, that is blessing. Okay. I decided to look up the definition of blessing on Google. Like you do most things. You look it up on Google. I'll give you some definitions here. God's favor and protection. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Number two. Prayer asking for God's favor and protection. Yeah, that's a blessing. Blessing, yeah. Okay. Now, for sure, for sure, when God's favor um, comes in our life, you know, when we have favor with people or our classmates or our teachers, we have favor even financially or, hey, we're thankful in all things, right? I would dare not say that, that that's not a blessing. Be thankful in all things. You know what I mean? God gives you favor and protection. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for blessing me. But I would make this distinction. That's not the highest definition of blessing. That's not the highest definition of blessing. Or you could say it's not the deepest definition of blessing, whichever way you want to go. We thought blessing was about this deep. Actually, it's about 10 miles deep, okay? Blessing is not a what. Blessing is a who. Blessing is not a what. Blessing is a who. The highest blessing is God himself. The highest blessing is God himself. That's worth writing down. It's worth tweeting and posting and Snapchatting and all kind of things. The highest blessing is God himself. I hope you never forget it for the rest of your life. The highest blessing is God himself. Okay, so just in case you maybe didn't quite believe me or you wanted some scriptural backup, let's look at these verses, huh? It's good to back up. We want to back up everything that we say with the word of God. Okay, so let's read 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Let's just see, Apostle Paul, just kind of tell us, if you were going to bless the church, what would you bless them with? What would you pray for, Apostle Paul? Tell us here. Let's all read 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Ready, go. Okay, what if the Apostle Paul is going to bless you, what is he going to bless you with? God, good. And if we want to get a little more specific, we would say the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead and say amen. Amen. The love of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. If the Apostle Paul could be with you and you asked him, Paul, before you go, brother, please bless me. You know what he would pray for? He would say, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. He might add some addendums on there and say, yeah, and, and Lord, cover and give him safe travels and, you know, all that kind of good stuff too. He might pray for that. You know what he would pray for first? That you would be blessed with God. Right. God himself is the highest blessing. 
And this is not a new creation with Paul here in the New Testament. It's actually been there the whole time in the Old Testament. Let's read Numbers 6, 23 through 27. Ready, go. Speak. talks about blessing, the Bible talks about giving God to you. This is what the priests were supposed to bless God's people with. Jehovah bless you and keep you. That's the Father. Jehovah make his face to shine upon you. That's the Son. 2 Corinthians 4, the illumination of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jehovah, make his face to shine upon you. That's the sun. Jehovah, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That is the Holy Spirit. We want the smile of the Spirit on the inside, right? Not the frown. You don't want the frown. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want a happy countenance of God within. When the Bible speaks of blessing, you know what it's talking about? God. The highest blessing is God himself. Okay, so I think now let's go to Brother Jacob here. Let's all read Roman numeral 2. Ready, go. Okay, so Jacob has come to the end of his life here. Joseph, they found Joseph, praise God. Joseph is set up, he's reigning in Egypt. He's second in command, okay? He's like the second most powerful man in the whole world, okay? Thought he was just some slave, thought he was dead, really. Turns out he's reigning in Egypt. Why is that? So that he can preserve a people alive. He can preserve an entire nation. Actually, he preserved a few nations, really. Okay, so that's good news, right? Man, they tell Jacob, man, bring the family. Come on, Pop, come on now. Come on down to Egypt. I got everything taken care of. I got the food. Okay, so Jacob, old man Jacob, a very different Jacob, transformed, mature, blessing Jacob, makes his way down to Egypt. And then this is what happens next. Genesis 47, 7 through 10. Let's read it. Ready, go. Okay, I want you to notice something. Jacob walks into the presence of probably the most powerful man on earth. And he, meaning Jacob, initiates the interaction. He initiates the interaction. Now just consider. Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, tell you my, I'll, I'll tell you my experience. When I was uh, a freshman, when I was a high schooler actually, I got recruited to come to the University of Texas. Uh, I was gonna play, gonna play football. 
and I was walking into the office of Mac Brown. Okay, as a big UT football fan, to me, it was the Mac Brown, okay? This is like the most powerful man in the entire, the entire state of Texas, or the entire Republic of Texas, yeah. you know? Okay, I'm walking into the Mac Brown's office, okay? What do you think I did? You think I, you think I just opened up with all kind of conversation, kind of directed things, took it where I wanted to? No. I, st I stood there and I was as quiet as I could be. I was kind of shaking in my boots. I wasn't wearing boots, but. I mean, think about it. If you were to walk into the Oval Office, would you just have, I mean, let's just line things out here. Just let me into that Oval Office. I'll talk to the president here. I got, I got lots of things. No! If you walked into the Oval Office, you know what you would do? You would sit down and be quiet and you would listen to whatever he had to say. Not so with Jacob. Jacob walks in to the presence of the most powerful man on earth and you know what he does? He initiates the interaction. And he blesses him. He blesses him. Then Pharaoh asks him, hey, how old are you? I mean, what's, you know, tell me, give, me, give me the life story. You know what Jacob said? Jacob's got about two things to say. Well, you know, hey, hard days, lots of evil days, have, you know, not as old as my father's, but praise the Lord. Let me bless you again before I go. <laughs> and then Jacob blesses Pharaoh again. Jacob blesses Pharaoh again. Isn't that something? That's a blessing man. That is a man who is filled with life and is overflowing it to others. Okay, let's read Genesis 48, 15 through 16. Ready, go. And he blessed Joseph and said, I want, you to, I want you to notice a certain phrase in here that Jacob uses. The God who has shepherded me all my life to this day. Underline that. If you've got a pen, underline it. If you don't got a pen, find one and underline that. The God who has shepherded me all my life to this day. When Jacob looked back on his life, all those evil days, all those crazy experiences, you know what he saw? God's shepherding. In all of those sufferings, in all, I mean all those things that we talked about, when Jacob looked back on his life, what he saw and remembered was God's shepherding. The reason Jacob could walk in to the presence of the most powerful man on earth and bless him was because in so many experiences, he opened to God and he gained him. He got filled with life that would transform him. He got filled to the extent that he was mature in the Lord, and he got filled to the extent that it overflowed to others. The reason that Jacob could bless is because he had a lifetime of God's shepherding. He had a lifetime of God's shepherding. That's why he could bless the most powerful man on earth. Okay, let's read Roman numeral three. Ready, go. Okay, 
Repeat after me. The greater blesses the lesser. The greater blesses the lesser. Okay, now try it again and actually do it. The greater blesses the lesser. Okay, stay with me now. Stay with me. Okay, let's read Hebrews 7, 7. Ready, go. The lesser is blessed by the greater. So you tell me, according to Scripture... Who was the greater of the two, Jacob or Pharaoh? Jacob. Jacob. Because the lesser is blessed by the greater. Now, why? Why was Jacob greater than Pharaoh? Because he was older? No. No. Jacob was not greater than Pharaoh simply because he was older. Okay. I'm about to give you a divine, biblical, heavenly principle about what makes a person greater. I hope you'll remember this. What makes a person lesser or greater is their measure of Christ. When God looks at humanity, what makes a person lesser or greater is their measure of Christ. How much Christ do you have? You got a little bit of Christ? All right, lesser. You got a lot of Christ? greater. God is no respecter of persons. You have high position. You were born in a great family. You've got a great background. You've got a big bank account. You've got an awesome education. You've got five PhDs. To God, God is no respecter of persons. What makes a person lesser or greater in the eyes of God is how much Christ they have. How much Christ do they have? Amen. Let's read Matthew eleven eleven. Ready, go. Okay. Now Jesus here, he's given a pretty big compliment to John the Baptist. Among those born of women, a lot of people born of women up to that time, I would think. A lot of people. A lot of people. Among those born of women, there has not arisen one greater than John the Baptist. Meaning, John the Baptist, he's number one. Current ranking, number one. But he who is least in the kingdom of the heavens is greater than he. Think about that. Why is that? I mean, John the Baptist, he's like, I mean, he's like Jesus' lead blocker. I mean, he's opening the way. He's, op he's opening the way for God incarnate to come to the earth. I mean, pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. But Jesus says, he who is least in the kingdom of the heavens is greater than he. Why is that? I'll tell you why John was great. You know, all those in the Old Testament... Moses, Noah, Abraham, David. We'll just think about all the great names. You know what? They saw Christ coming, but he was a ways off, not so near Christ. John the Baptist now, you talk about really near Christ. He opened the way for Jesus and his ministry. Very near Christ. Big but here. He who is least in the kingdom of the heavens has Christ within him. What makes you greater or lesser in the eyes of God is your measure of Christ. The reason he who is least in the kingdom of the heavens is greater than John the Baptist is because he who is least in the kingdom of the heavens has Christ living within him. He's not just there. He's not just buddies with Christ. 
It's not just relate. You know, John the Baptist was related to Jesus. Not just related to Jesus. Not just baptizing people together. Pray, you know, praise the Lord tag team here. Jesus Christ living within you. That's a big deal. What makes a person lesser or greater in the eyes of God? Their measure of Christ. Okay. Now, as far as the outline, that's all I have for you. But I've got two big applications. And if you get anything out of anything that's been said tonight, I hope you'll get this. I hope you'll get this. Do you want to be a channel of God's blessing on the earth? Yeah. You, I mean, do you want to, you want to be like Jacob? Yeah. Do you want to be a channel of God's blessing to all of humanity? Yeah. I mean, about five of us. That's good. Yeah. Praise the Lord. We've got about five of us. So the rest of this is for you five. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Why not? Why not spend the rest of your life gaining Christ? Why not spend the rest of your life increasing your measure of Christ? What, what else on earth could you give yourself to that would matter more? Why not? Why not spend it all? Why not spend it all? Spend every morning. Spend every evening. Spend every afternoon increasing your measure of Christ. You want to know what matters in the eyes of God? Your measure of Christ. Why not? Why not spend it all? I want to take you. I hope you have your Bible. I want to take you to a brother named Paul. I want you to taste his spirit. I know a lot of you are reaching for your phone. That's okay. Get that Bible out on that phone. Don't look at that text message either while you're getting there. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. And I, I want you to taste Paul's spirit. I want you to taste what it's like to spend everything on increasing your measure of Christ. I, I want you to taste it in these verses. Philippians 3, 7 through 8. Then we'll jump over to 12 through 15. I'm just going to read, so you just follow along, okay? But what things were gains to me, these I have counted as loss on account of Christ. But moreover, I also count all things to be loss on account of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. On account of whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse that I may gain Christ. Say that, that I may gain Christ. Are you tasting it? Yeah. That I may gain Christ. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I pursue, if even I may lay hold of that for which I also have been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not account of myself to have, been, to have laid hold, but one thing I do. Paul, what's the one thing you're doing, brother? One thing I do forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before. I pursue toward the goal for the prize to which God in Christ Jesus has called me upward. Amen. Are you tasting his spirit? Amen. I pursue toward the goal for the prize to which God in Christ Jesus has called me upward. Amen. 
This is the spirit of a given man who wants to increase his measure of Christ. Now, one question you have to ask, what are all the things that he's counting as loss? You know, he says all things. That's kind of easy to say. Oh, yeah, man. Hey, man. And nothing compared to, to the Lord. All things. Kind of easy to say. Yeah. But, Paul, what are you talking about? Yeah. Paul's doing some divine accounting. And he's saying, all these things, da 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 do not measure up to the excellent knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Paul, what are the things? What is that? Go to, chapter, go to verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 4, 5 and 6. I'll read it. Though I myself have something to be confident of in the flesh as well, if any other man thinks that he is confident in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the race of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuting the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, become blameless. Okay, that sounds pretty cool, but it doesn't mean that much to us because we're not first century Jews, okay? It doesn't mean that much. It's kind of like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay. So I'll interpret it for you. Okay. Circumcised the eighth day of the race of Israel. You know what, you know what might, you know what could prevent you from gaining Christ? Your race. You ever thought about that? Man, it's a lot of people who are not just like me in here. I think maybe I'll, think maybe I'll check, check out another place. Well, that's not, that's not really the way I'm used to doing things. That's not the way I like to do it. It's not the way I like to do it. I think, I think I'll, I mean, I like you guys, but I'll probably look for some other fellowship. That's not, that's not how I like. You ever thought about that? Think about this. What's he say next? Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. You know what that is? Where are you from? You ever thought that where you're from could keep you from gaining Christ? You know, I didn't grow up, I, I didn't grow up, uh, I didn't grow up worshiping that way. That, that's, not, that's not how we do, you know what I mean? That's not how we do in the crooked eye. That's Irving, Texas. Yes. Joanna knows. <laughs> Joanna knows. You know, I mean, that's good, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm from Irving, Texas. I mean, not, you know, not to expose anybody here, but, you know, usually white people who are from Texas, they really like being white people who are from Texas. I don't know if you know that. That, that happens a lot of times. And you know what? That uh, treasuring that, clinging to that, how good that is. Did you know that could keep you from gaining Christ? Paul, I mean, Paul, Paul would have looked, he would, the, white, the white boy from Texas, he would have looked down on that pff, Gentile, dirty. <laughs> Let me tell you where I'm from, dog. Let me tell you where I'm from. I'm a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, okay? Circumcised on the eighth day, dog. <laughs> Let me tell you where I'm from. 
Think about it. Where are you from? Your race. To keep you from gaining Christ. Okay, what else? As to the law of Pharisee, you know what that was? That's Paul's social status. In Hebrew society, he is a Pharisee, the highest class. A Pharisee. You ever thought that your social status could keep you from gaining Christ? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty cool. I, yeah, we're talking about praying in public out here? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know about that gospel preaching, man. I, I, I've got a reputation to maintain. I've got a reputation to maintain, man. I mean, I'm not... I'm not all that in a bag of chips, but I'm at least all that, you know? My, I mean, the people in my study group, they, I mean, I did a great job on the last project. I can't just like, man, if I bring Jesus in here now, what are they going to think about me? I've got some status. Your social status could keep you from gaining Christ. Okay, what else, Paul? As to zeal, persecuting the church. You know what can keep you from gaining Christ? What you're passionate about. Ooh, Saturday? And I don't think I can make that fellowship, my brothers. There's a great game on. <laughs> Middle of the day. I don't, I don't think I can make that. Sorry, brothers. Catch you next time. I'll catch you next time, though. Ooh, now I... Uh -uh. Sorry, can't make that one. Can't make that one. I got a, uh, I mean, I got, I got some things to take care of, you know? You know what can keep you from gaining Christ? What you're passionate about. Whatever that may be. What's the last one? As to righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You know what that is? What you're good at. What you're good at. Anybody in here good at education? I'm sure they are. I'm sure there's a few of us in here that are good at education. Hey, how about, I mean, how about we go to the, uh, you know, I mean, we got something on Saturday. Let's go. No, I can't do that. Studying. Sorry, dog. <laughs> Studying. That didn't even cross my mind. No, sir. Out of here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I got to keep that up. Sorry. Okay. Now think about it. What, Paul, what are you counting as loss? My race, where I'm from, my social status, what I'm passionate about, what I'm good at. In light of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, I count all of that as loss, as dung. This is the spirit of a person who's giving their entire life to increase their measure of Christ. Amen. What might get in, if my race gets in the way? Sorry. If 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 where I'm from contradicts me gaining Christ, forget it. I'm sorry. Dear family, I love you, but I'm sorry. That may happen sometime. If my social status would ever come in the way, Paul says, get out of here. That is loss. What I'm passionate about, what I'm good at, what I can do. If that would ever come in the way, Paul says, that is dung. 
excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, that I may gain Christ. Amen. It is loss. This, this is the spirit. This is what it tastes like to give your entire being, your entire being to increase your measure of Christ. Dear brothers, if you will do this, you will be a channel of God's blessing on the earth. You'll be a channel of God's blessing on the earth. God will be able to overflow out of you to humanity. Amen. Sisters, if you would give yourself, if you would give yourself, your ending will be like Jacob's, full of glory, full of glory, full of blessing, full of blessing.